three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's all good. Thank you very much. It's uh, exciting to finally join. Awesome. Well, one question I, I always like to ask everybody on the podcast is, who do you say you are? Who do I say I am? I don't know who I am. That's that's part of 2021 is I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> I, I used to define myself by my work, you know, the projects that I was on. But then I, I you know, I've come to a realization that that's not who I am and that's not a proper representation of me. So here I am, you know, in my mid thirties trying to find myself again. So yeah, not quite sure. Gotcha. Yeah. What, so what, what's that been like for you? Um, I know we last, last time we saw each other was probably 2019, right about yeah. when I was, I was leaving Vogel. Yeah. And I feel like I was in a similar state, kind of a little bit of going through the motions, making some progress. And, and like you're saying, working on that project. And it's like, that becomes a big part of your identity. Like it does. You, you have a title, you have a role that you play every day. You, you have somewhere to go from, I guess in our case, most people would say nine to five. We're there from four to, four to seven or yeah. like, yeah, as long as it takes. And it's like so much of that becomes your identity. And then when you finally have a, a minute to step away from it, a minute being a month, two months, a year, two years, and it's like, who am I? Like, am I, yeah. was I the engineer? Was I the foreman? Was I the welder? Was I David? Was I Asher? Like, what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Like, what what's that process been like for you going through, like, unpacking that through, like, just this past week? Well, for me, if, uh, you know, it. It it started with actually getting the courage to actually leave because you 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 get comfortable, you know. It's like this is steady work. At the end of the project where I was at, it was like I can keep writing this out to the end because I'm just package closure. But you you one day I just woke up and I I had to be real with myself and I was like I'm not okay. I'm not okay with where I'm at in life. I'm not okay with coming to work and being treated the way I'm treated or watch other people get treated the way they're treated and nothing gets done about it. And then when you try to step up and say something, you're the bad person. So it's just like enough's enough. I had to actually like not be afraid because I was very afraid. So, and then, and then leaving the project, it was the first week I wake up. I'm like, Whoa, what do I do with myself? Hey, hold on one second, please. I'm sorry. Let me got a three-legged cat on the run that doesn't excuse <laughs> me leaving okay cool thank you for being patient so um yeah leaving the project leaving behind something that i've always known and like going home and actually facing the unknowns which is who am i that was hard because you know i i started therapy so it's like you're the amount of vulnerability that i've never really had i was just all of a sudden like vulnerable <laughs> here i am talking to a therapist going through life and also you know then it was what's the next step for me do i continue down the path of construction what do i do you know so uh 
yeah, left the project, went home, which home at the time was Asheville, North Carolina. That wasn't quite working. So uh, that was October of uh, 2020. Yeah, because that's pandemic time. October of 2020. And then in February of this year, I made another really big life-changing decision, which was, you know, I was unhappy at at Vogel. Then I was unhappy with where I was at in Nashville. Then I was like, all right, where is happiness? I packed my whole life up and I moved to San Francisco, California and started all, you know, a whole new life. (laughs) And what's nice is uh, there's happiness here. So it's like, I'm finding it, I'm building it. And now it's like, I'm doing things I never thought I'd do that most people have already done right out the rip. I'm going to college now. (laughs) That's new. That's new to me, you know? So it's a whole new experience. That's amazing, man. And and like you said, that that's definitely courage to get up and realize that what you're doing isn't working as well as it could be. Because I I know for me, I left a year before in June in June. And it's almost like by January, I knew it feels like you're you're doing what you're supposed to do because I've been listening to Jocko Willink and he talks about taking extreme ownership. And it's like you can't confuse taking ownership of yourself or the situations you're in with just being in a bad situation that you can't fix yourself. Like there there are things that are when it's beyond your control, you gotta be able to save yourself. And if something is failing, let it fail or let it run its course. Because like (laughs) I heard someone say, I'm gonna turn this thing around if it kills me. And it almost did. And it's like when when we talk about coming from where we came from and just me knowing you seeing the effort that you were putting in I was like I, I saw a part of me and you where I could see the diligence you putting in the work at work you're taking care of your mental health by going after work and working out making sure your body's fed your mind is there you put you yeah. do a little bit more of hard work outside of work so that when you come in you do above and beyond what's asked of you but it's like you can only do that to an extent. And the people that I saw stay long-term or stay for a significant period of time, it's like having certain pillars in place. But at one point or another, whether it's taking a week of vacation or Christmas or something like that, everyone kind of had to take those breaks and step back. But I don't know if, if I'd say you have certain like maniacs or people that are just wired differently where they must have more things lined up in their life to where they're just there and they're just like, they have this intensity about them. Like I've been here 14 years. I'm going to see this thing. And I was like, I think, I think this, this uh, term is new to me, especially because I don't really use it all that often, but I think it's appropriate now The the uh, FOMO fear of missing out. Yeah. I, th- I think that a lot of the people that just, they wouldn't take time off or they just, they're like, well, I'm miserable, but I'm going to stick it out to the end is it's possibly that they, you know, could potentially feel like they're missing out on something that's for them to figure out. But, you know, that's that's a good point you make because it's like, if you talk about fear of missing out, this is the only nuclear job to my knowledge in the U S in over 40 years to be built new construction and somebody to be like, wow, I was one of the, thousands of people that worked on that or I had this position on that thing like for people especially in construction if you're going to miss out on something or if you don't want to miss out on something that that's yeah that could be one of those projects like the big dig the um rebuilding of the the twin tower like yeah those things the golden gate bridge it's like it has that that highlight 
which isn't a lie. But to your point, it's like, is it worth it to not miss out on it? And then a year later, I'm picking up my life, trying to put the pieces back together and be like, where am I? Yeah. Well, so another thing that uh, I've learned about myself that I feel like I've always like kind of known, but I, I think I never, I guess, expressed it because of being in construction for all of my adult life, you know, up until now is, uh, you know, the demographic people on construction sites across the United States, they're, not everyone's the same. So I don't want to paint that picture, but you have a lot of similarities and a lot of very similar viewpoints and beliefs on religion, politics, so on and so forth. And I've never fit in with any, mo with most people's viewpoints, but I've never also expressed my viewpoints because I know they would be shunned. So it's like now it's like, yeah, I'm towards the end of the vocal project with the pandemic starting, we had the election going on. There was a lot of things that made me really uncomfortable. And there was a lot of discussions that turned into arguments, even though I did not want them to be arguments, especially when it came to like deciphering stuff about the pandemic, what people were saying is true versus not true science versus not science. And personally for me, I go with science. So it's just like, you know, is it healthy for me to continue being around these type of people knowing that it's going to be a constant struggle? Like, it's like, take yourself out of this um, toxic environment because it's very toxic. It's not healthy for you. And to continue down the path and continue, you know, being around it day in and day out willingly, you know, what's going to be the long-term effects of it. You know, now that's not to say that people can't get along or can't be around people with different views because you can, and I'm very capable of it. And it's just like, but at what point though, do you say, okay, I've done too much of this and I need to regulate it better. That's it. That's a great point. And, and again, it goes back to that courage piece that you mentioned where it's like, it's not, it really takes strength to real, to recognize where you, where you don't need to be, because it's like, it sounds strong to say, oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm here. I'm present. I'm, I can be counted on me. It's like, it takes more to be like, no, I, I need to regroup for a moment and figure out what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. And like on that note, like making those three moves and now being all the way on the West Coast in San Francisco, like, what is that? What is that experience been like for you? Like being in college of all places, going from construction? Uh, dude, I'm for once in my life, and this was a, a hard pill to swallow for once in my life, I'm in a safe place. Like I, I, one of the things I've figured out like in therapy and like uh, soul searching was all the projects I've ever been on from when I joined the Boilermakers right out of high school up until when I left Vogel, it, they've all been toxic. I've always lived in chaos. I've always been in like some form of toxic relationship. And like here there's, there isn't chaos. There isn't toxicity. Like it's to be in a welcoming environment where, so I have this, this part-time job at the climbing gym and I coach the kids climbing team and I love it. It's part-time. I only work five hours a week right now, but that gives me time to focus on my therapy and focus on school. But while I'm working, the kids love me. The parents love me. My coworkers are amazing. My manager is so cool. Like, like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> this is just a climbing gym and I'm coaching kids and I'm like happy and I love this and I feel accepted. So, and like right now I'm only taking one class. Because what's nice about San Francisco is if you're a um, San Francisco resident, 
community college is free, but you just got to pay for your books. So I don't get the uh, residency uh, title uh, until February of next year. It's going to be 366 days. So right now it's like I'm paying for one class out of pocket. It's just the computer basics on all of Microsoft Office. So it's super easy. It's not really demanding. And I'm finishing up on something I started in 2019, which is my uh, certified personal trainer uh, course through NASM. So I actually, today after this podcast, I'll be studying. And on Wednesday, I finally take the exam. So it's like, I'm focusing on all this. I'm doing the school thing. After the first of the year, I'll be able to like ramp up on my classes and really figure out what direction I want to take this. Because at first, I... I I was like, all right, I'm going to do my associates in construction management and I'm going to go get my PMP because it's like, I have experience in that. But I got to thinking about it and I was like, construction is going to make me unhappy. doesn't matter if I'm the project manager or if I'm the welder, like it's the same mess. So I was talking to my now fiance about it and she's just like, who's supporting me in all this? She's like, hey, look, sometimes the easy road isn't the best road. She's like, so yeah, you construction's easy for you. She goes, but long long term, are you going to be happy or is it going to bring make you miserable? So I'm like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> but that was another thing I had to I also had to like think about. I had to put in perspective that back when I was in high school when I started with the union, you know, I and I was like, I've put all my eggs in this basket. I got to the point where I did define myself because that's all I knew was construction. And I was too afraid to let myself know something else because it's like, what if you fail? Or I back in the younger version of me, I didn't like school, but now the older version of me, I'm like, I'm not bothered by it. So I was like, but then there was also, I was trying to fit in with the viewpoint of the people I was working with, where it's kind of like, I knew a lot of boilermakers who got a college degree and they ended up back in the boilermakers or a lot of boilermakers who were like, school's not for me or I'm not smart enough for school, but I know how to weld and I'm staying here because I make all this money. So the way I, I view all that is like the feeling of being stuck. And I was stuck. And I was like, I don't have to be stuck. I just got to be courageous. <laughs> you know, it's like, go to college. Don't worry about what those people think. You know, you can do something outside of construction, just apply yourself. So that's where I'm at now. And I think I may take the path of like physical therapist. Or I may take the path of a, a doctor in chiropractic. And because I know some uh, bigger names in the climbing industry who have that degree and they do like rehab for climbers and their personal trainers for climbers. And this area, especially San Francisco, there's a huge market for it with the climbing was just in the Olympics. There's a big wave I saw was coming back in 2019 and I was actually preparing for it. But then I got injured. So that injury and pandemic took me one year out of the whole physical fitness world. And in that one year, I seemed to have forgotten everything that I was working towards. And I just recently remembered, I'm like, all right, you had a plan, but then you forgot about your plan. Now let's revisit this plan and figure out, okay, is it still feasible? Where can we change it? What can we do different about it? And let's not be afraid and let's try it. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And as soon as you mentioned physical therapy, I was like, man, I wonder if I can connect you with my man, Gersh, Dr. Gersh Kim. He's down in uh, in Houston, Texas, working at the, the Congo gym. And I had him on the podcast before, and he was sharing with me his journey, kind of trying to figure out where to go. But like you being in San Francisco now, 
and finding a way to do the things that you love, like being able to get back to climbing and teach younger people how to climb. Because I remember when we spoke last, that was something you were getting ready to do. It's like, as soon as this ended, that's where you wanted the time to go. And the injury may have set you back a bit, but like you said, you found a way to get back on your path. And also having even the class that you're taking right now, you're still working on those like soft skills or those like hard skills where taking the computer class is going to refine what you know. So even if you don't go into construction, if you see anyone through physical therapy that's coming through construction, you know how to how to relate to them. You know how to communicate professionally, like through email, through Word, through Excel, through all of that. And it's like you're you're building up what you're doing and just being able to admit that oh, no, everything's awesome. Oh, I'm great. I'm this, I'm that. It's like, no, you're in the process of where you're going and you're able to take an honest look at it and say it aloud. I think for me, I've been so scared to do that, even going through like podcasting, going on two years now, a little bit over two years, and to get on a camera and to talk to somebody that I know or someone I just met just to be like, do I even know what the heck I'm doing? It's like so-and-so, they've been doing this for 10 years. They've been doing this for that year. And I, like when I was just coming off of the heels of the job and this was one of the first things I told myself I needed to do. And I kept questioning in my head, like, is it worth it kind of doing the, the two-step with it? But then looking at some businesses around town and you look at like whenever people say they established it, wherever it looks like if it's in your parents basement or in a college dorm room or something like that it's like everything starts with a date and I think I saw something that somebody just opened their storefront and it was like this is 2019 and I maybe saw something for 2018 or 2017 and it's like oh they just started too and if I never pushed record for that second even though I was I was fearful in my heart if I never went past that fear and just said, hit record, record it with someone you're comfortable with, talk. Okay, it's terrifying to listen back to. Okay, do it. Do it one more time. Do it another time. And now this is like 102 times, 105 times that I'm hitting the record button now. And it's like, you know, the fear might not go away, but that's what makes you courageous that you feel a fear and that you say, I'm going to try it anyways. It might come out like crap. Nobody might see it. But I know what I'm doing for myself and I know that it matters to me. And just seeing you do that and just seeing the things that you've loved from the time that I met you from, I see your, your cellos back there behind you. And it's like, yeah. those things are staying consistent in there. So it's like, it's like something beautiful that I just keep seeing through. It's like just those layers or a lot of people say they talk about building walls and they talk about like, the glue or the mortar, or I don't know what the exact terminology is, but whatever it is that you put in between the bricks, it almost feels like those things that you enjoy, that's what makes those massive rocks that matter in your life kind of stick. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, also it's, it's not, it's allowing yourself to dream and dream big because in, in all through the years, I've had all these grand ideas of things I could do. And, some of them I pursued and some of them I didn't, but I talked a lot about it and I've gotten like scrutinized, especially by like family members of mine, like, Oh, you're all talk. You, you come up with these ideas, but you don't follow through. And it's like, but at least I'm coming up with ideas because where it starts, because it's like those, those who don't 
dare to dream at all, you don't know what you're capable of doing, you know? So it's like, I'm coming up with these ideas. Some of them I'll actually pursue. Some will take time and I'll get, I'll achieve them. And others will just be ideas, but at least I'm daring enough to think of them. Yeah. And I, I think another thing, I don't know if you thought of this, but from removing yourself from those environments, whether it was from um, Georgia or South or North Carolina, like getting out of those pockets with those people that have their influence and they may push back on your ideas. It's like you don't necessarily need to tell them your ideas to your face. So now you're almost not getting as much pushback. So as you're pursuing the one or two things of the things you talked about, you can dig into it a little bit more because there isn't somebody there like saying, oh yeah, you're all talking then you're not this. And you're like, okay, well here, I'm going to move across the country and pursue an idea that I have in my head. And no one's in my face to tell me, no, you can't do that. And even exactly. if they show up, it's like, I'm already doing it. So you're kind of late to the party if you're here to criticize. It's like, yeah, sorry. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, is this my graduation thing? Oh, Oh, you, you, you missed it. You should have shown up yeah. month one when I was trying to get into this. Well, I'm, I'm already in, I'm already a resident. It's like kind of too late. Exactly. So, but, so it's been a journey to figure out who I am these days. You know, I'm getting closer, you know, I have a better understanding, but I don't know if I have the full definition yet, but at least I can, you know, I, I could, I could jot it down in words, I guess, you know? Yeah. Are you, are you still um, playing the cellos? Yeah. Uh, they're uh, basses. Um, bases. Yeah. I, st I still, that, so that was another thing, uh, you know, music while I was in Georgia, I had abandoned Florida. I was always going around playing gigs, places. And um, when I stepped away from the project, I actually like started getting the creative side of me back because I was kind of dampened by just constantly working. So <laughs> um, I, I, I like the idea of being a jack of all trades and a master of none because no one person can master anything you're never a master of anything because eventually you die. So the way I view it is if I'm good at a bunch of things, it makes me more valuable. If I'm only really good at one thing and if that one thing is not in demand or there is not a need for that one thing, then so I uh, play my basses. I've been working a lot on playing guitar, play banjo. I got a mandolin. So it's like, I'm trying to be versatile with music to where when I do get back out to playing gigs, you know, if someone needs a guitar player, I'll play guitar. Someone needs a someone on electric bass, I'll play electric bass. If they want someone on the upright, I'll play the upright. So, and I even like go do handyman work for people I know around town because it's like I have all these tools. I've spent money on on this collection of tools that I have. Might as well put them to work and make you know get use out of them. So I pick up little side jobs here and there, and I go to someone's house, and I'll you know like I've built a uh, really nice uh aquarium stand for a 75 gallon aquarium you know out of wood and i put doors and lighting in it and shelves in it and um you know go you put in for an aquarium yeah you know i got got wow. paid to do it you know so it's just like did you take a picture of it i got a picture nice. i gotta see that but um so it's just like i yeah it pays to be versatile if, I feel if you put all your eggs in one basket, then that's all you got, you know. And now that was another that was an, another thing with getting away from the union, from the boilermakers, because it's like when you're a boilermaker, that's what you are. And if you're to stick true to how union life is, you only do boilermaker jobs, you only do boilermaker work. Well, the way our the way that industry is going right now is you've got a lot of boilermakers 
but not a lot of work. So if you've got X amount of people looking for a job and there's only three jobs, not everyone's going to be working. So it's like, do do I want to be just the Boilermaker or do I want to be a jack of all trades? If welding is not making me money, can I go play music and make money? Can I go coach kids on a climbing team? Can I go to someone's house and, and do, do some yard work and put in some doors because their doors are falling off and, you know, fix their cabinets. So that's a great point. And the more you, the more you, you bring up that quote, I think it's maybe this year or last year that I heard the full quote in its entirety. I can't remember it right now, so I don't want to butcher it, but there is. There is something to be said about being a jack of all trades because a lot of people would just say jack of all trades, master of none. And it's like, no, whenever you quote something, quote the entirety of that thing within its context and everything doesn't have just a positive or a negative meaning. There's there's a lot more going on in the gray area or outside of like if you look at the whole story, you have a sense to understand here's everything else that's a possibility of going on. like. You mentioned with last year, even this year, a lot of things being polarizing, a lot of things being hot button topics. Part of the reason I wanted to like even have this conversation and create it is like you spend so much time. One of the positive things from being on a job where majority of people may think in a certain way, you have a lot of unique people and everyone has that like individual. Everybody is like is different, no matter like. Everybody looks different. Everybody's from someone different. They're from different parents. They have different towns they're from. They're from different backgrounds. And it's like, why not take a minute to learn more about that to really say, okay, like, I know this person in this way, but what else is there? And that, that, like, seeing other people be able to do that, I was like, man, that seems like a, a talent and a gift in itself because it's not, it's not just like, who each person is, but like the interaction that they're having to say, oh, wow, like I wouldn't have thought about that that way, or I would have never learned that if like a physicist didn't talk to like a New Yorker or like someone from Wyoming or yeah. someone from Florida. And it's like, oh, I thought everybody was like, it's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm also here. It's like, there's not a monolith of people. So just seeing how each individual person does their thing, it, it just, it continues to teach me just a little bit more. It's like, I knew something today and then tomorrow it's like, yeah, I don't think that thing that I knew worked out just like that. And it's, it's a little bit different. Just, I, I was listening to something back earlier and it's like, huh, I didn't hear that the first seven times I listened to it, but I'm glad I listened to it again. Yeah. Well, that, that so that is like the beautiful thing. I feel like that's something I try to do is everyone you talk to, you have a chance to learn something new, but you have to be willing to listen. And uh, yeah, throughout the life of that project and, and all the projects I've ever been on, I've met a lot of people that changed my viewpoints on things because they came from fortune, misfortune. They experienced something I, I would never experience. And it's just like, whoa, okay. And, I, you know, I, I feel like there's also quite, you know, there's probably a lot of people, it's safe, safe to say there's a lot of people that are in my, were, or are still in the, or in the position I used to be in where it's like, they feel stuck. They just don't know how to like get out. Cause I feel like I, I worked with a lot of those people, especially towards the end of the project, the contract I was on, there was a lot of people I worked with that I enjoyed talking to and seeing at work. And they just, you get that feeling that they were having the same struggle that I was having, you know, it's like, 
there's a reason why we're getting along so well. And it's like, hmm, are you experiencing some of the things, uh, same things I am, but we're just not brave enough to actually talk about it. (laughs) So did did you ever, did you manage to have a conversation like that with, with somebody while you were there or since you've gone? Yeah. Um, there's, uh, Ben Mills and Steven Dennis. I still talk to them all the time. And especially uh, Ben, you know, he's very, very smart person. And uh, so I was able to connect with him on a deep level. And he was able to like throw things back at me to like really make me think. So every, every morning I would try to go out of my way to stop by his office and strike a conversation about something, knowing full well, he was going to say something that was going to challenge my thoughts. And I was excited for that every day. I was like, all right, what's he going to challenge me with today? And that would get me through my day because I'd be thinking about whatever we were talking about. He would suggest a book. I'd go out and buy the book and read it because it was just like something that interested me. And so, yeah. That's awesome. It's great to talk with the Red Wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is. He is an amazing human. Like he's just such an amazing person. Yeah. And what's interesting, thinking back on when I, I talked to Ben, maybe last year the year before and it was is interesting because he almost did the opposite of what we did like you went straight into the boilermakers i went into engineering school for civil engineering got into construction he came from a music background which yep. you guys probably relate on a and lot. then mm-hmm. after doing that for like 10 years he's like you know what let me go into nuclear and just like if you if you're on the outside looking and you're like how how did how did you get from here to there? And that's when like just having that dialogue, you're like, okay, like you see how people think and you see just what you're exposed to, the the opportunities that kind of come out and just the motivation that's for, okay, I'm going to be here and this is what I'm going to do for this time. This is what I'm getting from it. And just, just being able to have those, those interactions are pretty cool things. And even like Steven, for instance, like, I don't know if I'll ever get him on the podcast, but I'm grateful for having met him because I know we bumped heads a lot, just like right off the bat. And a lot of it, as I look back on it now, I'm like, yeah, as much as I could be nice, as much as I might not be loud in your face or whatnot, when my ego gets bruised, like I'll show it or I'll make it known. And to meet someone where they how would I say this? He has his ego in check in a sense of like, if I'm wrong, I can admit I'm wrong and I'm going to keep going with the same energy. I'm not going to turtle up and be like, oh, or I'm not going to go hide in a corner and just yell, throw a fit, and then not want to come back to the table and work as a team. So it's like, I learned, definitely learned a lot from those two. And it, it's good to see like kind of running, keeping the, the similar company where you just see people that think differently or it, it, they just, they may have a different mission, but like you said, anyone can teach you something if you're willing to listen. Yeah. That's a big thing. Well, with, with what you have going on now, like if someone wants to reach out to you locally or online, like how can they do that? Uh, through Instagram. That's an easy way. You know, I, um, in Georgia, I started uh, a brand and the brand is still there. I haven't done much with it lately. And I'm looking to, in the near future, uh, bring it back to life. The brand is a transcendent monk. And uh, when I was in Georgia, when I was uh, coaching the climbing team there, and I was a personal trainer for kids and adults, 
I did everything through Transcendent Monk. You know, I wanted that to be my brand for physical fitness and like mentoring and stuff. Um, and I'm looking to bring that back to life here. It's just, uh, it's a different setting here in that um, the, the gym here is just like night and day different from the gym there. So um, in time, I'll figure out how to bring it back uh, here in San Francisco, but I just try to use my brand, Faceless Dave on Instagram. That way, I, you know, don't a lot of people don't need my phone number. Just like message me through there. <laughs> Same with emails. It's like, Emails nowadays is, is like, you know, snail mail. You, even now, you know, every day when I check the mail, you get so much physical junk mail. And then on my phone all day, it's like Gmail, I get a notification and it's like Uber this and it's Dick Sporting Goods that I'm like, it's just junk. It's like, quit throwing all this at me. So yeah, Instagram's good right now. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to ask you, um, about, looks like I left my phone in the sun a little bit long because I'm in the car. So it's like, Hey, cut it out. I'm overheating, but <laughs> I noticed, like you were saying, you're with your Facebook name being Faceless Dave. How did you come up with that name? And, and um, can you tell me like the background behind that? Because I, everyone has like creative nicknames and things like that online. So that was, uh, I came up with that name because the band that I had in Florida was called Faceless Bandits. And the reason I came up with that band name for the band, it kind of goes with Jack of all trades. We didn't want to be um, held in, in, in one category or one genre. So we were faceless in that the music that we write and if we cover songs we play live, you're going to see this genre and you're going to see that genre. It's not going to be like, oh, they're just a pop band or they're just a insert you know genre. And uh, so that kind of goes uh, true with me. It's like I'm not just one thing. So That's awesome. And I'll ask you one, one last question. And we'll leave it there. Okay. Are you who you said you are? Am I who I said I was? Yes. Yes. I'm a work in progress. I love it. Right to the point. <laughs> Thank you for the time, man. No, I do. This was so much fun. Like I feel honored. Thank you. Likewise. We'll do it again or just even talk offline. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Take care. Have All a right. good week. Have a wonderful day.